Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Awesome. Well, today we have a short and powerful message from a man who I consider the leading voice in global missions. You guys know the Hoskins and One Hope, they're dear friends of ours. The children's uh, Bible that our kids are going through uh, in preschool, that was from One Hope. The kids' Bible on the U, on the U version uh, app is from One Hope. They bring God's word to millions and millions and millions and millions of people every single year in some of the most difficult places to get God's word. We love their partnership. We love what they're doing. We invest in them heavily because God is using them mightily. So church, I want you to give the best celebration welcome you can right now for Pastor Rob Hoskins and the One Hope team. We love them. Oh yeah, and, and Kim, his wife is here. Come on, Kim, stand up. Wave it, Kim. We're so glad she came up this time. All right. Woo! Awakening 2018. Man, you guys can't take this stuff for granted, man. I'm telling you, this doesn't happen everywhere. Do you know that? I mean, I've been following you, feeling you online, and just uh, unbelievable what God's doing here. And, uh, you know, Pastor Stovall's brought me in a couple times at the end of Awakening to talk about missions. And just uh, as we were on the phone this week and we were talking about what God's doing in your house, I just felt like this, this word come over me for this morning. And when we talk about missions, what in the world does that have to do with revival? What is the tie here between the mission and the revival? And what we have to understand is that uh, we have to ask a question. Is this a revival event or is this a revival movement? Because revivals are events, but a revival is a movement. You see, revivals, they stir individuals, but a revival ignites an entire people. Revivals transform hearts, but a revival transforms communities, cities, and sometimes even nations and the entire world. We're talking about the significance the significance of revival. And you can't separate the significance of revival from the story of the Bible. You see, the entire story of the Bible is a history of revival and awakenings. Because revival is God working in his people to restore them back to his original mission. You see, what is the mission of God? Why did God create this world? He created this world for a relationship with us. He created this world so the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So everywhere where God's glory is not, his mission has not been fulfilled. And revival brings that presence of God back into the world that he created. And if we follow the meta narrative of Scripture, we can see that there is this constant God creates Eden, a perfect place where we can walk with Him in the cool of the day. And then, because of the free will that He gave us so that we could choose to love Him, not be forced to love Him, Adam and Eve choose to follow sin and destruction and pain and brokenness. And so, sin enters into the world. And this warfare, this battle between the full glory of God and the brokenness of man and women begins to continue throughout the history of the world. 
And we see that God continually, instead of abandoning us because we have abandoned him, he reached down to us because he loves us and he wants to redeem us and he wants to revive us to come back to that original state that he intended for us from the beginning. And we see this throughout scripture. We see it happening after the fall. We see that time after time after a reject, we see God come and stir the heart of a man named Abraham and says, I want you to move from where you are. I want you to move from Ur and Chaldees and I want you to begin and I'm going to give you a people. Look up into the sky, Abraham. As many stars as you see, that's the that number of people I want. I want my people from every nation to come to me and the Abrahamic covenant to the people of Israel is born because God is a redeeming God and he stirs the heart of Abraham. And yet we know the continual story. Even though God had this covenant, we broke that covenant. And we broke it time and time again and we found ourselves, the people of God, in bondage in Egypt. And so once again, God had to stir the heart of another man. He stirs the heart of Moses in a burning bush. How many of you know the burning bush was a revival? It flamed the fire in Moses' heart, so he goes back and he says, people, we have to come out of this bondage where we are, and the people are stirred, and the people have faith now to move out and cross a Red Sea and travel through a desert because God is reviving his people once again. The entire story of the Bible is God stirring people's heart and bringing them back to himself. God is stirring the heart of this church for this church to go out to make sure that everyone in Zimbabwe and Lebanon and the uttermost parts of the world in the cities that God has given you that their hearts would be revived and they would come back to him. That's what revival is all about. I'm talking about the significance of revival. We can see that, that if we want, if, if we want the, 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 the revival to be significant that we have to follow our stirrings. We, we, we continue the story. Israel is established, the kingdom is established. Kings are established, David and Solomon. But then we see once again that people begin to follow their own heart. They begin to reject God once again. Evil kings come along, the people follow them and they turn their back on what God once again. They find themselves in such complete and utter darkness. The northern kingdom falls, they're taken over. They're taken into bondage. 150 years later, Judah is trying to survive, but wicked kings continue to come. They continue to turn their back on him. Zedekiah is the last of his, those kings. His two sons are murdered before him, and the Babylonian empire gouges out his eyes, and they take him back to the city of Babel because Israel has fallen into blindness again. And for 70 years, they are in bondage in Babylon. But I want us to look in the book of Ezra in chapter one because here we see that God reaches out. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah and he stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. You see, God loves us so much that even when his people reject him, that he will reach down and stir the heart of the wicked, most powerful man in the world in order to bring about a revival. God stirs Cyrus's heart. And then we jump down a little further and then it says, then God stirred the hearts of the priests and the Levites and the leaders of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of God. You see, the stirring starts in Cyrus's heart, but all of a sudden, because of Cyrus's faith, Suddenly the hearts of the leaders begin to be stirred and they say, let's go back and rebuild the temple. And then in chapter two, 
So now a total of 42,360 people turned to Judah and they arrived at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. So all of a sudden we have this stirring starting in one end. Then all of a sudden some more stirring. You see the revival beginning to build here? Now all of a sudden there's more than 40,000 people. And those 40,000 people, I mean, they weren't just talking. This wasn't just a revival event that happened. I mean, the, suddenly they say, we're gonna uproot ourselves. You know how long it took for them to get from Babylon back to Jerusalem to try and be rebuilt? Three months through treacherous territory, these people were gonna have to travel in order. He interrupted me five times in the first service. Here we go, man. Did y'all hear that? Three months. Did you hear what he said? Three months. Three months. Three months they traveled back sacrificially because they want to rebuild the temple. Revival is in their hearts. They've been stirred in their hearts. And then they, then they come to Israel. It says, they come, in chapter three, it says, in early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns. Now, 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 now they, they've been gone for 70 years from the promised land. The temple lays in ruins. The city of Jerusalem has been destroyed. The people have been taken out into captivity. So it says, go back to their homes. Whose homes are they going back to? They're going back to the homes of the people that had been left behind 70 years ago. They're trying to contact. The leaders come and say, try and go find your, your second and third and fourth cousins. You know, maybe some of you have been riding back and forth between Babylon and Israel. Try and go find them when they come at the beginning of the summer after three months of terror. Come, and then he says, come back in three months. Come back in the autumn so that we can gather back together. And so these 40,000 people, after they found their distant relatives, now they've assembled back in Jerusalem, it says, for a unified purpose. Even though the people were afraid of the local residents, it says they rebuilt the altar at its old site where they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord each morning and each evening when the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple. Now, let's stop right there. I want to tell you, what do the leaders say to do first? Before they ever start building the temple, they build an altar. You cannot build anything in missions if you do not have an altar. The first thing we have to do is establish the altar of God in our own lives. And we got a lot of people that are out there trying to build their own temple, build their own church, build their own ministry, build their own business, and they have not built an altar before the Lord. Revival begins with an altar. We need to build altars for our lives, for our families, for our community. The leaders say, build the altar, and then we can get building, building the temple. And then it says, when the, when the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes, they took their places to blow their trumpets, and the Levites, the descendants, they clashed their cymbals to praise God, just as King David had prescribed. With praise and thanks, they sang to the Lord. This is what they sang. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel, it will endure forever. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord. Look at what's happening here. There has not been worship in Israel for 70 years. And now because revival has come back, the priests pull out the word of God. They begin to dress like they're supposed to dress. They stand up and they begin to proclaim the word for the first time in 70 years. Praise has now come back to Israel. Revival has come back to the nation of Israel. And I want you to see, catch this though. But many of the older priests and the Levites and other leaders who had seen the first temple were allowed when they saw the temple's foundation. So what these guys were doing, they were talking about what the temple used to look like, right? And so it says the others, however, were shouting for joy. 
So there's this mighty worship service going on. They're shouting, but then there's some of the other people that are, that are weeping because they're comparing this revival to the last revival. And so it says in the midst of this loud noise, you could not hear, that you could hear in the distance, you couldn't tell the difference between the, the weeping and the shouting, the joy and the mourning. Then the local residents, okay, then the local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah. Now what's going on here? Let me tell you the difference between revivals, which will last for a short time, and revival movements. The people, when, when, when God stirs someone's heart, and the leaders become stirred, and then a mighty group of people are stirred for revival, what we're seeing here in chapter four is suddenly the enemy is stirred. When you're in the midst of a real revival, the enemy will be stirred in his heart. You have now woken up the giant. That, that giant, that enemy, that liar, that stealer, that destroyer begins to come into our lives because he wants to kill the revival movement. And he makes it real clear what his, the, the noise was so loud that it attracted his attention. Celebration, let me tell you something. The noise is so loud around here because people are coming to know who Jesus is. The noise is loud because people are getting healed. The noise is loud because people are being delivered. And it will stir up the enemy. It will stir him up. Now here's the, here's the thing. In all these years, this was 3,000 years ago. In 3,000 years, Satan has no new tricks. He has not come up with one new weapon in 3,000 years. So we can see exactly what he's up to by reading the word here. The local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work. They bribed agents to work against them and to frustrate their plans. See, the first thing the enemy will do in the midst of this revival is he will try and intimidate you. He's gonna try and intimidate you. Your heart's gonna be filled with revival and there are gonna be people that begin to try and intimidate what God is doing in your life. They will not, some of you, your family members are not gonna understand what God's doing in your life. You're gonna get so fired up and filled up with the anointing of the Holy Spirit that you're gonna do things you've never done before. And people are going to try and intimidate what you're doing. Oh, you've become super spiritual now, huh? Oh, you've become, oh, you, you, I know what you did in your past. You're not that holy. They're going to try and intimidate you. They're going to try and intimidate your leader. They're going to try and intimidate Pastor Stovall. Pastor Stovall is saying we're going to build great celebration churches in the cities of the world because revival is in his heart. We're going to go to Orlando and we're going to go to Washington, D.C. Oh, celebration's going to go to Paris. You know what the enemy's gonna say? Stovall Weems from Louisiana is gonna go to Paris? He's not sophisticated enough for Paris. He doesn't parler français well enough. I wanna tell you what, he will not be intimidated by the enemy. We will not be intimidated by the enemy. He will try and intimidate. What else will you do? It says here that he'll try and discourage you. You see, if it's gonna be a revival movement, You've got to break through that discouragement. Every, every time the enemy comes and tries to discourage you, and, 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 and you, can, you, can, you can try and clothe that, you know, and, and, and in the natural they'll say, well, you know, um, you're just emotionally moved. And, and so then, all of a sudden, you know, well, that's gonna go away. 
And, and, and then fear is gonna come into your life. And discouragement's gonna try and come on you. You're gonna, and, and he's gonna try and invalidate the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life and steal what God has done in the midst of the revival. And you need to look him right in the face and say, I will not be discouraged. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God has deposited this joy and peace and satisfaction in my life. It, it not only says that, that he's gonna try and intimidate us, that he's gonna try and discourage us, it says here that he's even gonna bribe people. What in the world is that? I mean, Satan is so afraid of the temple being rebuilt in Jerusalem that he's trying to pay people off to kill the revival. And he'll do the same thing in your life. He'll try and bribe your heart. He'll try and distract you from the things of God. He'll try and, he'll try and buy your time away from the temple. And what the Lord is talking about here is he's talking about idols in your life. He will distract you with these shiny toys that mean nothing to the kingdom of God. He'll try and pull you back into those things that have consumed your energy and time and sucked the life out of you that are distractions. That's the enemy trying to bribe you away from revival. He'll try and bribe you away from these things. I got good news for you. The enemy uses these same three tricks. But I wanna tell you, the answer, the antidote is found right here in the word of God. He has given us weapons of warfare against the enemy. The first weapon that he gives us is, it was right there in chapter four. The first thing that people would do after they build the altar of the Lord is they begin to worship God. Let me tell you, if, if, if distractions and, and if intimidation and if depression and discouragement comes on you, the Bible tells you what to do. You need to open your mouth and begin to worship a holy God. You need to begin to thank the Lord for all he's done with you. Because as you begin to worship, you begin to push back the forces of the evil one in Jesus' name. You know what, as I read this, you know what I found out? I mean, you, you look at, you read to the end of that chapter. I mean, one of the saddest scriptures in all of the Bible is found right here in this, in, in this, in this chapter. In verse 24, after the fear, after the intimidation, after the distraction, after the discouragement began to come against their lives, it says, so the work on the temple of God in Jerusalem had stopped and it remained at a standstill until the second year of the reign of King Darius of Persia. You know what else I saw in chapter four? They just had the biggest worship service in 70 years. And yet in chapter four, when discouragement and intimidation and distraction come, there is not one mention of worship in the fourth chapter. They stopped worshiping. And what happened when they stopped worshiping? The work on the temple of God in Jerusalem had stopped. You want this to be more than a revival service and you want it to be a revival movement, then you've gotta become a people of worship. You've got a people, be a people of worship that continue, not just when you're in an exciting service where you've got an incredible band and you've got some of the best worship leaders in the world. Wherever you are, you begin to worship God with your whole life. <laughs> worship pushes back the forces of evil. Chapter five says, at, the, at that time, 
the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Edo, prophesied to the Jews in Judea and Samaria. They prophesied in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. And Zerubbabel and Jeshua responded by starting again to rebuild the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them and helped them. Not only do we have a weapon of worship, what is this saying? It says that we have a weapon called the Word of God. The Word of God came to these two men. The Word of God woke them up. The Word of God began to teach them what they should actually begin to do. I see a lot of revivals that happen. They are very emotive, but the Word never comes in. There will be no revival movement in this place if we don't love the Word of God, if we don't preach the Word of God, if we don't study the Word of God, if we don't internalize the Word of God, if we don't publish the Word, if we don't speak it continually with our mouths. The Word of God comes to these two prophets. And they began to prophesy over, over, over the people of Israel that had come with such fire and revival in their hearts. But because the enemy had come against them, they had stopped the work on the temple. And they're saying, you've got to begin to worship again. And you've got to begin to study the word again. You know how much time passed from chapter 4 to chapter 5? 17 years. 17 years the temple laid there in ruin. They had laid the foundation, but they never laid another stone because of the attack of the enemy against them. And some of you are sitting here and you accepted Jesus Christ in your hearts in the midst of revival. And you were so passionate and loved him, you would do anything for Jesus. You couldn't get enough of God's word. And all of a sudden, simple distractions of the enemy came into your life. You began to build idols in your life. You began to grow discouraged about the things of God. You became bitter against the temple of God. And you've been here for 17 years, and the enemy has stolen your destiny. I want to tell you this morning, revival can come back to you in Jesus' name. He can restore worship in your heart. He can restore the word of God in your heart. And what was the prophet prophesying over them? What did he tell them they needed to do? What was Haggai's word to them? Not only do you need to keep worshiping, not only do you need the word of God, here's the third W, man. He says, you gotta get back to work. You gotta get back to work. That doesn't sound too exciting. What had happened to the people of God during this time? I mean, when they, when, if you read what happened here, I mean, they were so moved that they gave everything. Those people that went on that journey from Babylon to Jerusalem, they gave all they had. You know what they did with that money? They took that money, they took all their offerings, and they sent it to Lebanon in order to buy cedar wood. And that's why the leaders said to wait, because they said, we're going to lay the foundation, but we've got to wait for the wood to come all the way from Lebanon and then come back. And when the wood is ready, we can build our house and we don't have time. But if you read the prophecy of, of Haggai, he says, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happened to you. You have planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you are not satisfied. You drink, but you are still thirsty. You put on clothes but you cannot stay warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of God's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Do. Now go up into the hills and bring down the temple, the timber, and you rebuild my house in Jesus' name. Then I will take pleasure in you and be honored, says the Lord. What were they doing? They were taking the lumber that they had given sacrificially to build the temple of God, and they started building their own homes. They started building their own temp they started building their own temples. Yeah. 
They started building under their idols to themselves. And the Lord said, look, if you want to be part of a sustainable movement, you've got to put that money to work. You've got to put your lives to work. You've got to put your energy to work. You've got to put your giftings to work. A sustained revival is for us to do work. What does missions have to do about revival? It has everything to do about revival because it is about us fulfilling the mission of God in our times and in our world today. And I'm not talking about a worship service where we bifurcate, where we separate worship from our work and from our altar. What we're talking about here is God wants revival in every aspect of our lives. He wants us not only to worship him in a sanctuary, he wants us to worship him in our job place. He doesn't only want us to be discerning what the word of God is when our pastor's preaching, he wants us to apply the word of God when we're at work, when we're in our schools, when we're in our businesses. True revival is a holistic revival where the word of God and worship goes into the workplace, where it goes out into the uttermost parts of the world. God is calling us not to a, a, a time of, of just revival meetings. God is calling us to a life of a revival. God is calling us to a life that consumes us with everything that we have. And Celebration Church, I believe he wants a revival to come out of this place. Pastor Stovall was sharing with me this week. He said, I want this to be three months, three months of us putting an altar in place that will reach the world for Jesus Christ. If we build an altar here in Jacksonville, then we will be able to reach to the uttermost parts of the world. Oh God, do it in this place, we pray. Let's stand to our feet. Let's commit ourselves to building the temple of God, to building his altar so that we can reach out to the cities of our world, that we can reach out to those children in Zimbabwe. There is no separation between the revival that is going on in this room and the revival that he wants you to accomplish in all the world for the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.